0: Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Share starting. Start by sharing. Uh, when Jess and I first started dating, uh, I used to drive race cars. Oh, sorry. Could we just give a round of applause to our youth boys here? I want to give a shout out. <laughs> Eli, Johnson, Abraham, our youth girls who are here as well. Hawa, Emma and Casey. And, of course, Julieth as well. Julieth, come from work, from KFC. Another hard work. Give a round of applause for Julieth. <laughs> so proud of you guys. Um, yes, when me and Jess started dating, oh, I was about... I, I was been racing speedway cars for, I think, two or three years. And when I first started racing, the, the class that I was in, the cars weren't as high quality. They were a little bit older, a little bit... Uh, a little bit under, undervalued, underloved. Uh, in my car especially, my car was really quite average. And when Jess used to come racing with me, nearly pretty much every time something would go wrong, like incredibly wrong. Like a part would we got sent home from a racetrack because my car wasn't ready. We went to the racetrack and they still disqualified, we had to go, we drove to Gimpy. they sent us home, we had to come back, didn't even get to race. I had so many dramas with it. Things were breaking. I had to keep fixing things. I had to spend so much money. And it just got me angry. I had probably one good race meeting when me and Jess were dating. And during that, Josh, that was the time we went to Toowoomba. Josh was actually my pit crew that night. And I came from the back of the field, charge up, and I finished in, like the, I think, the top seven cars. That was, that was my best result. It wasn't fantastic, but that was my best. I was still pumped. I had a great night that night. But every other time was an absolute disaster. Because the further on we got into the racing career, more people started spending money, people started getting better cars, better equipment, and going a heck of a lot faster than me. So a couple of years ago, I sold my race car to buy a bit of land and build a house. That plan went down the toilet, if you know. Um, but was it September last year, I got offered to uh, drive a go-kart again. So back before I was racing cars, I used to drive go-karts, which as you know, might know, they're a little bit of a four wheels, little engine on, this, on the back of it. They're kind of like the start out for, for racing. So I was driving this go-kart for this guy. And this go-kart was a beautiful go-kart. Like, it was brand new. The go-kart was worth $10,000, which is more than my road car. And it was immaculate. The engine was spectacular. It had brand new tires on it, which just makes a massive difference. Everything on it was absolutely beautiful. And I went up to Gimpy to drive this go-kart. I went out the first practice and I was a little bit off the pace. I was a little bit slow because I haven't done it in such a long time. But each race we went out there, I got quicker and quicker and quicker. Anyway, we got to the last race and I worked my way up to second place. I was behind the leader and it started to rain. Anyway, I knew this guy ahead of me who was like their track champion, was a little bit timid in the rain. He, he told me earlier, this is... See, racing is more than going around in circles, I'll tell you right now. There's a lot of mind, mind games that happen. He told me that he, he hated the rain. I'm like... <laughs> Got you sorted. Started to rain in this race, and there was one corner I knew I was quicker than him. And there was this big, long, sweeping corner, and I knew that I could pass him there if I could get close enough. And we got to this corner. It was the last lap. White flag, last lap. Coming around this corner one more time, started raining a bit heavier, and I said, oh, well, let's see what happens. And I went to the outside of him. Now, if you know anything about racing, you don't go to the outside. If you go to the outside, you get put in the fence. Like, it's, it's, it's slippery out there, it's dangerous. Went to the outside of him, come around, and actually got ahead of him, passed him. It was an awesome move. I was so wrapped. I was like fist pumping in, in the go-kart. There's still half a lap to go. <laughs> come down this hill, come around a couple, few more corners and I was taking it really slowly and carefully because it was wet and slippery and I was making sure that I, he, I was like blocking him so he couldn't get past me. I get to the final corner and I try to slow down so he couldn't get past me on, on the middle of the corner and then I come off the corner down the front straight away and I have a look and he's side by side. Like we are literally neck and neck, and he has the jump on me. He's a little bit ahead of me, and I sit in the go-kart, and with go-karts, because they only weigh about 80 kilos, you can, like, make the moves. I'm sitting in the go-kart, and I'm like, go, go, trying to get any bit of advantage. We come to the line, and he beats me by .02 of a second. I was like, oh, that's, so, that's the closest I've been to winning. This sucks. <laughs> but I was so close, uh, and I was, I was... I was never been so happy to finish second because I hadn't been racing in such a long time and it was a great result for me. Anyway, come back to the pits, race finish, and I was happy, a little bit upset, still a bit pretty happy, and just comes up and goes, oh wow, I didn't know you could actually drive. <laughs> True story, because every time I'd raced when she'd see me, I was racing this junk box that was just so bad and such a slow car that once I got some good equipment, I could actually show what I could do man life's easier when we have the right tools so much easier when we actually have the right equipment there was a uh, there's a story of this, this reporter who went to do uh, interview the, uh, i don 't know what the politically correct term for it is, but mental asylum is that still acceptable i don't know went to interview this mental asylum like warden and they're walking through and showing them all the procedures of what they do and and how they test patients out, and she was saying that what they do with some patients, they fill up a bath with water, fill it up so it's about half full, and they give them a spoon and a bucket. And the reporter goes, thinks they're pretty clever, and goes, oh, I get it. So if the person chooses a spoon instead of the bucket to empty the bath, that means they need to be put into the hospital. And the warden looks at them and goes, no, most people just pull the plug. Should we get you a room next to a window? <laughs> Using the right equipment makes a big difference, hey? It, it really does. See, our theme at church at the moment is is Earth on Earth as it is in Heaven. Yeah. Love that song from. I wish we I wish we could sing that. That'd be good. No, no, I'm not gonna try. Uh, but what what does it mean? What does on Earth as it is in Heaven? Yeah. Luke 24, 49 says this, And now I will send the Holy Spirit, stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power of heaven. The power of heaven. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. Yes, the power of heaven that has been sent to us. Yeah. Timothy, 2 Timothy two twenty one says this, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, he will be a vessel for God's use, useful to the Master and ready for, for the good work. So now that we have this power, we, we know that God has sent the power from heaven to us. We, we are now vessels of this Holy Spirit. Yeah. What do we do with this? What do we do? I, I'm, I've got a lot of Bible verses tonight, so it's very holy, so make sure you stick up with me. Um, Matthew 28:18. Jesus says this: "I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit." This is, this is the calling for all those who believe. For all of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We're called to go into all the world and share that Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Heaven. Yeah. Make sure the entire world knows and it receives the Spirit of Heaven. Aren't we glad that God has given us these tools? Yeah. Yeah. Are, I'm so glad that God has given us tools to actually do this rather than just saying it, sending us on our way. God provides for us. Ephesians 1, 3 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We've got all the tools we need. Now we've got to go out and use them. I I love Pastor Mark, has a really awesome way of explaining what Christians need to be doing. He goes, if Christians' goals was just to get to heaven, we'd have an altar call, and be like, that's fantastic, great decision, you go to heaven, just go out back there, we've got a shotgun ready to send you now. If that was the way, that's what we'd be doing. If, if the goal was just to be in heaven, that's how they'd do it. But it's not. Wow. Our goal is so much bigger than that. Yeah. Well, right. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says this, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, to the leaders, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build the church and the body of Christ. Wow. I've kind of said this before, I know. I don't like to be confronting, I actually don't like conflict much at all, but I remember Craig Rochelle said something that I, that I heard ages ago, and it was, to be unclear is to be unkind. Wow. If it's murky, you've got no idea what's going on. If, if you're doing something wrong and I don't tell you, how can I get mad when you keep doing the same thing wrong? And so I don't mean to burst people's bubbles tonight, but I just want to let you know that, um, Church just isn't about making sure you have enough faith to get through the week. Yeah, totally. If that's what you're relying on, and don't get me wrong, sometimes there are seasons for that. Yeah, sure there is. There is. Yeah. Sometimes you're, you need to come to church seven days a week to try and find faith. Yeah. And that's okay. Because yeah. there will be times like that. I, I, I'm not going to say I promise you, but <laughs> it can be. Yeah. But if, that's, if, if you've been coming to church for years and years and years and that's still where you're at in your walk with God... You're missing the fullness of what he's trying to do in your life. Yes. We're called, you know, I think it's Ephesians 4, it says we don't come to church to purely give us, uh, what have I done here? That, sorry, that verse in Ephesians 4 is saying that. Yes. We, don't, we don't just come here right. to, to receive this faith and then go through our week and yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Well, that's not how we're called to live. Yeah. The iron sharpens iron for the work of the ministry. The purpose of church is to strengthen the body of Christ, to expand the body of Christ. We are the body of the Christ. The church is the body of Christ. I uh, Actually, I received a revelation this week about serving. And I remember even last time I preached, I always said that, and it's so true, it's that ministry is, is your life. Your workplace, your family, your friends. That is, that, that is ministry, right? But then I realised, I think, I think nowadays, I think we put a lot of emphasis on that and not ministry within the church. I think we get too distracted by, I told my friend about Jesus today, that's my ministry, I don't need to do anything else. That's fantastic. I'm so glad you told your friend about Jesus. That's so powerful and that can change their life. But God's calling you to more. God is calling you to more and I just want to, yeah, let everyone, I just want to let people know that because I know that's something that I've continually said is that your ministry is your workplace. That not everyone's called to be a pastor. That is true, but some people are. People, some people are called into full-time ministry in the church. And oh, I don't know, maybe it's just, I, I, I've seen it recently that, that within churches that a lot of people are, I want to be TikTok Christian. I want to, to evangelise on Snapchat. That's great. That's so good. You do that. That is important. But don't let that drag you away from the church and the ministry within church. Building people up. You know, it's uh, in our youth ministry the last couple of years, we've done, I was talking to Pastor Tim about this uh, just earlier, we've done like no evangelism in like two years. What I mean by that is we, we haven't been going into schools and we haven't been, um, you know, trying to get new kids in. And the reason for that has been very deliberate of the fact of our youth team was at capacity in some sense of where we were at. You know, we had, I think we had five, maybe six youth leaders to 40 kids. Like that's, you know, eight kids a leader. That's, you know, Jesus' disciple 12, he lost one, but he was mate, he was the, the best disciple out of all of us. You know, we start with a system of, we'd like to have five five kids per leader. Have your five where you can invest into them. That's what, a number that we found is, is the, the most efficient way to really invest and, and into discipleship. But we, because we've had, you know, we've had 40 kids to, to these leaders, it's like, well, what's the point in evangelism? We've been very deliberate in what we're doing. We need more people in our church to stand up and take on more weight. Like, pew sitting I reckon is more dangerous than <laughs> Most drugs. That's a terrible example, but you know what I'm saying. There's, there's we're called to do a lot more than what we're doing wow. inside the church. So if it's important to you, you'll find a way. Yeah. If it's not important to you, you'll find an excuse. Wow. Craig, yourself saying that. If it's important, you will find a way, and it's so true. So tonight, I just want to give us three practical ways that we can we can work out what Jesus has called us to be, which is. Yeah be heaven on earth. We're called to be heaven on earth. That is what God has called us to do. To bring the Holy Spirit to share it around. Here's three practical ways. Are we ready? <laughs> Are we ready for this? Three practical ways. Number one. Yeah, absolutely. You ready? Yeah! Woo! There we go. Alright, number one is to love our neighbour. Yeah. Jesus gets questioned by religious leaders about this and he, goes, he says, they say, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? He says this. Mark twelve, verse thirty. Goes first, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is to love your neighbour as yourself. I know we live in a time where we can see people don't necessarily really love themselves anymore. I guess it's, it's one extreme or the other, isn't it? People are either hate themselves or they all they think about is themselves. But what a difference it would make if we actually. Outwork this if we cared about if the whole world cared about everyone the same that they care about themselves wow. i was thinking about this and i wrote it down because it's pretty funny he goes i reckon the worst word in the english vocabulary is me yeah, wow. what about me it isn't fair even knows he had it he knows what's up wow. had enough he wants his share we want our share and it's totally counter Christ to be, what about me? Look at the way that Jesus lived his life. He lived his life and gave his life for people. His entire life was built around serving others. Luke chapter 6, verse 32 and 36. Got that one up there, Susan? Oh, I didn't write it down. Oh, did you not? have <laughs> that one, Susan? The other one I didn't write down. That's all right. I'm sure it was good. It was powerful. How good. They must have missed that on the recording. Luke 6, where it says that Jesus was moved by compassion for the crowds. He could see that people were broken. He went into towns and see that people, he says that people were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost and broken. He was moved with compassion and shared the gospel with them. If we had to sum up what loving a neighbour is, it's that single word of compassion. We need to show compassion. Multiple times in the Bible, God says that. He goes, he acted because he felt compassion for people. We see him heal people because of compassion. We need to live compassionate lives with other people. Can I tell you what? It is so hard to be, show compassion with people sometimes. They are so annoying. I don't like people. Give me some space, leave me alone, I'm good. And sometimes don't be wrong. Sometimes there's certain people you can't show compassion to, and by showing compassion, you leave them alone and let someone else be compassionate with them. Sometimes that happens. Okay, let's be real. I just want to clarify one thing: if you ever see a non-believer or a non-Christian and you hate what they're doing, don't hate the person. Hate the sin. The person doesn't make the sin bad. The sin makes the person bad. Wow. It's like at home if you have a busted water pipe, starts making a puddle of water on the floor, you're like, damn you water, what are you doing here water? You, and you just clean up the water, what happens? Nothing changes. Yeah. The water keeps pouring out. You need to actually go to the root of the problem yeah. and address the sin. Yeah. Don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. Wow. Romans 5.8 says this, God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. If God hated the sin so much and and saved us, how should we not do that? How come we can't show that shame, that same compassion? Point number two is we need to share the good news. We need to share the good news of God. Mark 16, 15 says this, go into all the world and share the good news to everyone. How can people come into Christ or into a relationship with God when they don't even know, first of all, who He is or that they need Him? We need to actually get and share the Gospel. I don't mean necessarily sitting on the pulpit and or standing in the middle of your work cafeteria and, and starting to just read scripture that's your thing please do that because that is powerful and I wish I had the guts to do that that's not me we need to by sharing the gospel we need to know the gospel yep, so true. because there's a difference between knowing and being able to teach it for example uh, who knows how the car works you put the key in turn it a couple of times it starts fantastic but how do you does your car actually work what happens when you turn the key How does it actually start? That's how we need to know the Bible intimately so we're able to teach people when they have questions, they will have questions. We need to share the good news of God. Point number three is we need to be a church and a people of miracles. Romans 8 verse 11 says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives within you and me. You know, we are a Pentecostal church. Yes, are, if you don't know what that means, that means that we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive, that Jesus Christ died, rose again, and that same Spirit that rose Him now lives inside us. Yeah. You know, I've se- we've seen God do ama- amazing, amazing miracles. Physical. We've seen, I remember youth camp, man. We've seen people with broken, broken bones literally get healed look at Pastor Tim, he remembers praying for a girl when he's 15 years old and saying, deaf ears yeah. opened. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, actually crazy things. Yeah. God is still alive, God is still doing these amazing things. We just got to be there. We would all allow it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. we get the band up if we can, please? And again, I was talking to Pastor Tim about some things and you know, it's our job to, to pray for people. When people are desperate for a miracle yeah. or wanting something to change in their life, it's our job to pray. It's not always our job to heal. Yeah, so Again, Pastor Dave was telling us some stories of he was uh, he was preaching up in I don't think it was the Arman Land. I think and this Aboriginal uh, man walked up to him and Pastor Dave, oh, I was disgusting. He's, he had like pus coming out of his ears. He had maggots growing in there and and this guy goes, hey you, pray for me and grabs Pastor Dave's hand and tries to put it up to his head and Pastor Dave's kind of, kind of holding back like, let me go and didn't want to touch his ear and I finally grabbed his hand and puts it up to his ear and Pastor Dave, he said it, he goes I prayed the most measly prayer I've ever prayed <laughs> and, and by the time he took his hand away the ear was healed <laughs> it, I remember Pastor Dave saying it taught him a lesson that day it's not always about your intention or 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 even your faith. Sometimes it's not. It's about the, the timing of God. You've got to step out in that faith too. You actually if you wanna see miracles, if you want to perform miracles, if you wanna be that vessel that God has chosen you to be. You need to step out in faith and actually try. I remember Mitch Ramsey was telling the story when he first uh, started performing miracles, like, apparently he was the most shy guy you've ever seen. If you don't know Mitch Ramsey now, he's an incredible man of faith. Incredible man of faith. So he's, he's performed some amazing miracles. And he said the first time that he started sharing the gospel or talking about God was he used to go to the, to the shopping centre and he used to sit near bins, you know, they have the chairs in the side of the, of the middle of the walkway and they have little bins sitting there. He used to sit down in the chairs and wait for people to put their rubbish in the bin and be like, excuse me sir, Jesus loves you. That's how, that's how he started his faith. Wow. Wasn't always bold. Take the result of the prayer isn't always what you, what you wanted it to be. But the outcome is always what you needed. I know there's times where I prayed for my boss. My first time that I st- <laughs> I kind of come out in faith and prayed for someone outside of church. I was praying for my boss who just rolled his ankle. And uh, it was after work and I'm like, hey Davo, can I, can I pray for you, mate? He goes, he's kind of like, limping like this. He goes, do I have to stop walking? I'm like, no, that's cool, man. We can do this while walking. And I prayed for him and I just said the most powerful prayer. I'm like, in the name of Jesus, you're going to heal any damage that's in there. All the ligaments, all the bones, all the muscles will be healed right now in the name of Jesus. He's like, thanks, man like, no I'll tell you what, nothing happened today though. <laughs> Literally nothing. But Jesus did a work inside of me. Wow. Stepping out in faith was such a reward for me. Built my spirit into something so incredible. So incredible. Never got healed. But it worked in me. We need to be like Mitch. We need to step out in faith when those times come. We need to focus on that. We need to actually... It's like a, like a young child learning to ride a push bike. You tell them to ride down the street and go, okay, don't hit the pole. Don't hit the pole. As they ride their bike, what do they do? They look at it, there's a pole. There's a pole, there's a pole, there's a pole, there's a pole! There's a pole. When you, what you're focusing on is what you will draw yourself towards. And if you're not focusing yourself on the Holy Spirit of God and His miracles and His power, you will never, never draw yourself towards it. Yeah, this world needs a miracle, hey? Oh my goodness. People are dying. People have been put in challenges. The world's at war. So much uncertainty. Man, we need a miracle. We need a miracle in our own suburb. Don't worry about the rest of the world. Take three steps out that door, you'll see that this place needs a miracle. We need miracles in our own lives. Oh man. I kind of touched on it. Like I said, I sold my race car in September 2020, and me and my wife bought a block of land. It was great. It was awesome. It was a fantastic block. And we were three days away from starting to build our house. We designed the whole thing. Man, Jess, it was such a cool process. Got to design it all, shape it all exactly how we wanted it. Three days out from building, we found out that there's a mine shaft on our property, and we can't build a house. The entire property, all the money we'd spent, already gone. We can't do anything about it. Do you know it's hard to have faith in those times? (laughs) It's so hard. And sometimes, that's one of those weeks where I'm like, we need to come to church to find that faith again. And remember after that Sunday, I said, you know what, God? Your hand's on this. Your hand's on it. I release that over to you right now, Father. And I don't know how God's going to fix it. I don't know what He's going to do, what's going to come of it. But I know He's going to work a miracle in it. He's a miracle worker. He is. His spirit is alive. His spirit is alive. And we need to be vessels of that spirit. I walked in here on a Sunday night and uh, it was, I think it was the same thing, it was a storm. I got here, the first song was playing. There was three people in the auditorium. I walked in and I said, oh man, there is no atmosphere in here. I'm going home. As soon as I thought that, God said to me, why don't you be the atmosphere? It's like, whoa. (laughs) Challenge me on that. And to this day, that's how I come to church. That's how I like to live. If there's no atmosphere, you be the atmosphere. If there's no Christian in your workplace, you be the Christian. If there's no miracles around in your family, you be the miracle worker. Come on, so good. that's what we're called to do. Yeah. What are called to be pew sitters? Come on so good. Great, great. I just want to share something really quickly. I, again, I hadn't planned to. Just the last night, I actually had a dream, and I don't I look to Jess. I usually get a. I get deja vu a lot. If you know what deja vu, I'll be sitting somewhere and I'll, and I'll have a scenario happen. And I'm like, this has happened to me before. I had one during the week of, uh, actually I was listening to a podcast that came out a day earlier. I'm like, wow, I've heard this before. And that was two weeks ago in a dream. But last night I had a dream and it was so vivid. I remember it. It was, we were doing youth next door here. you've not been next door, massive open area where we play sports and it's an awesome place. And there was... 50, 60 kids running around. We're all having fun. We're playing games. And our church congregation's in the middle of it. And I just felt there was such a unity in what we're doing. That people, our congregation, people in this building that come every Sunday, we're part of what we're trying to do within this community, within the young young people's lives in this place. Of just discipleship, I've just been there and let them know that they care. Wow. Wow. This is what I hold on to now. This is, this is why we come on Sunday nights, why we have these amazing young people down the front here to join us. Because we want to invest into their lives. That is how God has called us to be in this place. My final thing for tonight is it's not by night, not by might, nor by power, but it's by the Spirit says the Lord by His Spirit Holy Spirit of God would you pour out on this place right now no matter how hard we push or shove or fight back God let it be your Spirit let it be your Spirit in our lives would you pour it out on us God I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.